0: He lifted the body enough to free the purse. Snapping it open, he found a key ring, two Schlage house keys, and Volvo car keys, then a billfold, three twenties, a ten, a five, and several ones. Behind a plastic window in the billfold, a district driver's license. He looked up at Jose. "'Mary Keegan,' he said. A nod of recognition. "'Oh!' Frank looked back at the dead woman and tried to find a resemblance to the face he remembered a regular on the Sunday talk shows, one of the best of the Washington Post's legendary investigative reporters, Mary Keegan, the scourge of shady dealmakers in the White House and on Capitol Hill, winner of a Pulitzer for her expose of government malfeasance and corporation corruption, good-looking in an honest, straightforward way, high cheekbones, subtle makeup, ash-blonde shoulder-length hair. Frank checked the date of birth, September 3, 1958 forty-two years old. Moderately famous and probably moderately well off. At least she had been. Now she was just dead. 1673, 32nd. He read the address off the license. He placed the address east of Wisconsin Avenue, Georgetown's East Village, a block down from Dumbarton Oaks, six, seven blocks from his home on Olive. He recalled seeing her occasionally, the inevitable crossings in a small town. Joking with Steve at Potomac Wines and Spirits, picking up dry cleaning at Uptown Valet, buying stamps at the post office, walking on late summer evenings. "'Stabbed her first near the sidewalk,' Frank said, looking back to where the woman and her dog stood with the officers. "'She got away.' "'She got here,' Jose continued. "'He catches up with her, stabs her in the back. She turns.' "'And he finishes the job.' "'Last night sometime.' Frank studied the ruined face, trying to imagine it without the gaping wound below the left eye, the slashed throat, trying to see her as she'd been yesterday this time. Maybe at church. Or a Sunday brunch with friends. A drive in the country. But alive. No idea of what was to come. Who she'd meet here. "'You know how this is going to go, don't you?' Jose asked. Frank nodded. Mary Keegan might not be a household name, but she was known by a lot of people who were. Early in his career, Frank had learned that Washington politics, like an overhead fan, was always turning. He imagined the fan picking up speed. Who was it, he wondered? Who'd come up with the image of crap hitting the fan? Emerson's going to shit a brick. No doubt. Frank got a sour taste on the flat of his tongue, as if he'd bitten a penny. What got him about a high profile case wasn't the pressure. The incessant phone calls, starting with Randolph Emerson, homicide commander, and running all the way up the so called chain of command. It was the time you had to waste hand holding, answering the calls, sending up reports you'd already sent up before. Time you could be spending doing the job you were paid for, the job you signed on to do. He stood up, took a deep breath, and let his eyes wander over the park, searching out a world where there wasn't a dead woman on the ground and leaves covered with her blood. Half an hour later, Tony Upton, the medical examiner, arrived at the same time as Renfro Calkins and his forensics team. An hour after that, Frank released the body to Upton. The two detectives waited until they were satisfied forensics was on track, then walked to the curb where they parked the car. "'You want to walk?' Frank asked. "'Only a couple of blocks.' "'Couple of blocks?' Jose frowned. "'We walk a couple of blocks over. We gotta walk a couple back.' A couple blocks here, a couple blocks there. And they begin to add up to some real distance, Frank finished. The two detectives walked down Q Street and crossed Wisconsin, where the morning traffic from the Maryland suburbs was already starting to clog the avenue. You still bring him home tomorrow? Jose asked. Yeah. How's he taking it? Coming in to stay with you? What do you think? It's only for a little while. He suspects it's the first step to moving him into town, He's what, seventy-five, six, seventy-eight. Jose shook his head. Not good living out there by himself. Too old to be alone. Stubborn man. Something about like father, like son, Jose said. I think I've heard that. He looked good last month. Last month had been a hundred years ago, before the call at two in the morning, his father's voice choking over words that wouldn't come out right. It was a warning. He might not be so lucky next time. Mary Keegan's home on 32nd Street and scores of others like it made Georgetown.